0: Hi, I'm Melissa from the Northeastern Melbourne Integrated Cancer Service and I'm here to introduce you to the Common Path podcast. These have been developed to support people who have been diagnosed with cancer. Listening to this podcast will provide you with an opportunity to learn from others who have already experienced cancer. They share how they made decisions, what they learned along the way, what helped and what they wish they had known. In this podcast, you'll hear from three people who have been diagnosed with prostate cancer. Ross, who was diagnosed in 2014 and received surgery to treat his cancer, Bert was diagnosed in 2011 and was treated with brachytherapy, radiotherapy, and hormone therapy. And Albert, who received surgery and radiotherapy to treat his cancer. You can find information and support for people with prostate cancer at prostate.org.au. Each of the men in this podcast has their own story to tell and will bring their unique experiences to the discussion. In this first section, Diagnosis, they start by talking about their own cancer diagnosis, how they reacted and how they coped.
1: I had a doctor who was fairly proactive, GP, and um, he'd been monitoring my PSA and it took a little jump. So he organised to get a second opinion and sent me to a urologist who did a a DRE and then suggested a um, biopsy. Then was organised to go for a biopsy. Uh, Had that, came back, um, was given the result by an oncologist urologist there and it was positive. you go into a bit of shock, you don't sort of hear what's going on. So after she told me the news, um, a specialist prostate cancer nurse came in and, and spent about half an hour talking to me about the implications, the possibilities, uh, whatever. And then she suggested that I might like to talk to the resident psychologist there. So I took up that opportunity and he came in and spoke to him. And he suggested I might like to go to a, a men's support group based there and, and just hear stories from other people before I made my final decision. The most important
2: part was the PSA uh, value that uh, was measured. Uh, this was referred to by the, the uh, general practitioner. And once it, it doubled up in, in a year, the reading, that really started the whole thing off. Uh, He then referred me to a urologist.
3: I was picked up with um, just a normal checkup, two-year check-up, PSA test, and that was in August 2012. Um, From there you move into a biopsy situation just to see where the cancer is, whether it's spread or not. Uh, The biopsy was carried out in early uh, July 2012. The result of that was the, the cancer appeared to be totally through the prostate. And uh, from there, I went for x rays to, to actually define was it still in the prostrate, um, had it moved into the bones, etc. And at that stage, uh, you're pretty frightened with that in, initial uh, diagnosis, uh, you know, the shock of it. It, uh, it hits you quite, quite hard. Time sort of stands still at that point in your, your life. You realise that, that um, you know, suddenly you may die. Um, he spent quite considerable time talking with us and the treatment that he recommended, depending upon the results of the x-rays and the scans, and the fact that it, it wasn't a disease or a cancer that kills you quickly. You have um, uh, quite a, a good lifespan ahead of you. And he was talking 10 to 15 years, which really eased the tension at that moment. But I'm not, I'm not sure that I took everything in at that time. You, you're in slow motion. But from that point on, once I'd left, I started to research very, very heavily Onto the internet, picked up a very useful site in Adelaide, the Lions Club in Adelaide, South Australia, and um, picked up information, any booklet I could get, contacted PCA, Prostate Cancer Australia, and so on, and then looked through the different treatments, surgery, radiation, etc.
2: Yeah, it was a bit of a shock. Uh, my wife was there at the same time when we were told about the fact that I had cancer in the prostate. Uh, The doctor had suggested that surgery may be the best option and that he could do the surgery and would be available in the next two weeks. Uh, But on further questioning he also said that this is not something you have to rush into. So uh, I thought, and he told me that I could have three to six months uh, to to actually consider this. And as we were going away, I really wanted to have that extra time anyway.
0: In this section, Making Treatment Decisions, you'll hear about how they made decisions about their treatment and what were some of the issues they needed to think about.
3: You need to take in as much information as you can about the the disease itself, prostate cancer, and you need to take in as much information as you can about the various treatments and then you need to take in the information as to what the side effects of each of those treatments are and and weigh all of those up in making your decision. The nurse gave
1: me an information pack to take away with me and that had a, a, some brochures and booklets on, on treatments. Um, I then went back and spoke with my GTP and had a meeting and he discussed various options and he said, but when the crunch comes, it's your decision. So then I, I went away and got on Dr Google and um, researched everything, whatever I could, on prostate cancer and treatments and, and made up a, um, a spreadsheet of treatments, pros and cons. And from that, and then I sat, we, my wife and I sat down together and looked at the pros and cons of treatments and decided from there what, treatment we'd like to go and and do. In the meantime, I went to a men's support group and listened to um, various men talking about their experiences with prostate cancer and and the treatments they had. And that also was invaluable in that sense. It it reinforced that it's not a death sentence and you can survive it.
2: I guess because I have a scientific background, I sort of had a research approach to it and I decided to really research what my options were. I started to research it mainly through the internet, but I also consulted the Cancer Council, and they had some volunteers which were prepared to talk to people who were diagnosed, who had been through the treatment, and I spoke to a couple of those with their various treatments that they had. Uh, And from there, I formed the, the conclusion of the the, the route I took.
3: It was primarily discussed with the surgeon. Um, He he asked for a second appointment and my wife and I went down to that appointment. He pulled out the the model that they usually do of the human body and showing you where things were. He went through what would be done for surgery, um, what the recovery time would be, what I would expect after it, explaining very clearly the uh, incontinence that I would have after the surgery. It varies person to person. I had, I think, a rather bad experience. And he also discussed the, the sexual dysfunction that would come from the, from the surgery as well. And upon that, I'd also looked at radiation, and I questioned him, could I go to radiation? And he didn't feel it was the way to go. Um, so I decided to put my faith in the surgeon and the medical profession and and have removal. I didn't, didn't go for another uh, professional opinion
1: after speaking to the uh, surgeon urologist because we, we felt very relaxed and, and happy and contented with what he presented. Um, I went back to my GP and told him this is what we were going to do. And he said, that's fine, that's sure. your decision. Um, I'll be here if you need any assistance or help afterwards. Apart from the first
2: urologist that I saw, I decided that I would get more advice and second opinions, and uh, I ended up seeing two other urologists. Um, The first urologist had suggested a robotic surgery process, so I approached another urologist who did open surgery, and then finally I consulted a third urologist who I was told would be approachable to going through the brachytherapy way. And the brachytherapy I decided was best by the research I did on the internet. Once you've been diagnosed and a recommendation is made by the urologist, usually it'll be a urologist who will will do the biopsy, and that's the the final thing that will determine whether there's cancer there or not. yeah, it's really important to uh, to research it and re- research it online, consult everyone you can. The uh, prostate cancer support groups are very good and unfortunately I didn't actually speak to them uh, before I went through the treatment.
3: We had private health cover, so we, we went uh, for for his recommendation and um, he clearly discussed and gave us the uh, cost, the gap cost. Um, and there was also a uh, cost for the um of which they gave us a quotation prior to surgery. So at the time that we, I entered hospital, I had basically all of the knowledge that I needed to, uh, to be prepared for what would come.
0: In this section about treatment, you'll hear about the treatment they each received as well as some of the side effects they experienced and how they manage them. Not everybody experiences side effects and they can vary from person to person depending on the type and dose of the treatment you receive.
1: I decided to have the um, robotic prostatectomy. Uh, So I had pads on for about um, 10 days Uh, and then I was able to go without pads. So I was fortunate. I, I haven't suffered from incontinence, which is good. Um, sexually, it's taken a while to 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 get back to any form of reasonable enjoyment. It's now two and a half years since the operation, and I am now sexually active with my wife. Uh, I tried all. I tried all different things to to improve that. Um, for the incontinence, I'd started doing exercises three months before the operation, which strengthen my pelvic floor, and I still do them today. I had the brachytherapy,
2: which consists of going in a hospital overnight and they conducted two lots of doses. and uh, then immediately after that, I think it was the next week, I started the beam radiation which was a series of radiation um, exposure for only a matter of 10 minutes a day, and, uh, but it was over about seven weeks, uh, five days a week. In uh, the conclusion of that, I was still on the hormone treatment, which continued for two years, and, uh, and that was you know, the sum of all the treatment that I had. The uh,
3: the treatment that I opted was for surgery. Uh, the worst side effect is definitely at that stage incontinence. L- lack of control of bladder is is for me was an absolute enemy, and uh, it caused caused uh, a, lo- a lot of stress at different times. You'd feel you would get through it, and then all of a sudden you'd have a setback again. But eventually, with talking again with the surgeon. At one stage, I remember one Sunday I got very desperate and I rang uh, Incontinence Council and spoke with a male nurse there who who gave me some support that um, was helpful, but I was at that particular time, I think week four, week six, thinking that this wouldn't be going on and it was, and it became a real personal battle, but eventually it, it changed. And when it changes, it changes in steps. It's not as slow, it, you improve suddenly and you sit stagnant for a while and you improve again. So it does, when it starts to improve it, it, um, it it's encouraging you feel a lot better in yourself. And it's not a lot better. Yeah, during nearly
2: all of my appointments with the specialists, uh, I, would, I was accompanied by my wife and it was very good because she picked up a lot of things that I missed uh, and uh, reminded me of them, and you know this was really good because I would get a certain impression, and then she'd say, "No, you know the doctor said this; he didn't say that," and and I'd realise so. So that was very important. Uh, as well as that, I kept a record of all the all the uh, appointments and reports that I had. Uh, and it's now into a second lever arch file, so it's, it's building up. Uh, and I thought that was pretty important because it showed progress and what things had happened over that time, which even now I forget a lot, and it's only when I refer back to it I realise some of these things. So.
3: All I wanted to know was when could I start my normal activities, so I asked, when can I play golf? When can I swim? So week three he said to me, you're cleared, you can now play golf and swim. I was into it. When can I start riding the bike again? He said six weeks, but I don't think you'll be able to do it. Six weeks he cleared me to ride the bike. He was right, I couldn't do it, I couldn't sit on the saddle. So by week nine I was sitting on the saddle and riding. But but other than that I just had a, a positive look to get back to normal life.
0: In this final section, what helped? you'll hear about some of the things that helped them through their diagnosis and treatment.
1: Look, out of the blue, uh, about nine or 10 months after the operation, I started getting anxious about things and and going out. So I contacted the uh, prostate cancer specific nurse at at the hospital where I had the operation. And she talked to me and said, look, it's not uncommon. It happens quite often with people, especially the men after maybe 9 to 12 months, you have a bit of a reaction. She said, if you'd like, I can arrange for you to come and speak to the psychologist here. So I accepted that and I went in. So Sisha suggested that um, I write a diary of my experiences to get it all out. So I sat down at home after that and just thought back to when I was diagnosed and started writing and writing, and writing, and um, I found it very cathartic. That sort of released a lot of stuff that I didn't know I had inside, just reliving it. I wish I'd had more information, and that's really on all those
2: side effects that you get. Um, Particularly quality of life and your sexual functions. I probably could have researched that a lot more beforehand, but uh, it wouldn't have made any difference to the final outcome anyway, but at least I would have known earlier, that's all. And I think there's a lot more that can be done there to uh, to
3: help men to get through that pretty difficult patch, I think. I attended the prostate support group at Heidelberg Group, and I would strongly recommend to anybody, either particularly prior to surgery if you can, and after surgery, attend a prostate support group. I've attended the night at the G's, which is support nights for, for prostrate um, survivors, and I feel that that's a must. That's a must. You, on your own, you, you're on your own, and I know men that have just basically withdrawn, and uh, that's not going to help you. You've got to come out and uh, and talk to people.
2: Uh, I would say exercise certainly really helped, uh, both. Being reasonably fit beforehand, uh, but definitely afterwards as well. Uh, just maintaining, and and there's been seems to have been quite a uh, an approach now to to encourage people who have suffered from cancer to go into
1: routine exercise. First of all, it's not a death sentence. There are treatments and there are very successful treatments available for prostate cancer. And there are tremendous support systems available for you. And I'd say use everything you can in terms of of information, support, decision making. And it's not a journey by yourself. Include your partner, include your your family because if something happens to you, they're all going to get affected. So yeah, be very inclusive.
0: We hope that the information in this podcast has been valuable. There are some general strategies that we recommend you follow when diagnosed with cancer, many of which have already been spoken about. However, they include Learn all you can about your diagnosis and the available treatment options. Take someone with you to all of your cancer-related appointments. They can help you remember what was said, and it's a good idea to ask them to take notes during the meeting to help with this. Prepare your questions before your appointments and don't be afraid to ask them. Keep a copy of your medical information. Seek and accept help when needed. And finally, talk to members of your healthcare team about appropriate exercise. For further information, don't forget you can contact the Cancer Council Information and Support Service on 13 11 20 where you can speak directly with a cancer nurse or you can visit their website at www.cancervic.org.au and to find out what you can expect as you move from diagnosis to treatment check out the What to Expect Guides at www cancerpathways.org.au As a final piece of advice please remember to discuss any concerns or questions you have with your treating team they will know your personal circumstances and will be able to provide you with the most appropriate information and advice you can also watch this podcast as a video just go to YouTube and once there search for A Common Path Cancer Support and Advice you can then follow the link to the video you want. Our thanks go to Ross, Bert and Albert, who have generously shared their experiences to make this podcast possible. The Northeastern Melbourne Integrated Cancer Service would also like to acknowledge the support of the Victorian Government who made the production of this podcast possible.